Welcome to another episode of the Golf.com podcast. I am your host, Sean Zock, and Golf at the Olympics is finally here. After a 112-year wait, golf is back and is centered down in Rio for the men this week and the women next week. Luckily for us, Sports Illustrated senior writer Alan Shipnuck is down in Brazil, taking in the games, and most specifically, golf. Alan, welcome to the podcast. How is Tuesday looking down there at the Olympic golf course? Well, it's, uh, the energy is definitely building. You know, the, um, Some players were still trickling in yesterday, but the, the range is, is way more packed than it has been all, all week. Uh, a lot of guys out on the golf course, and it's a fun atmosphere. The practice rounds, you know, a lot of countries here are represented by, by two players, and they have uh, their coach, whether it's Paul McGinley for Ireland or Ian Baker Finch for Australia. They, they kind of go out in these clumps, and they're really working. It really is a team aspect to the preparation. You know, once Thursday comes, it's kind of every man for himself, individual stroke play, but um, definitely a lot of team spirit and a lot of camaraderie. You know, there's, we all know there was, there was a messy buildup to get to these games. And I think for the players who are here, there's, uh, there's really a sense of brotherhood and sisterhood. There's even some of the women around here um, practicing already. Um, and, you know, these guys look great. They're, they're all in their team uniforms. So instead of the big, tacky corporate logos, yeah. um, it's just fl- flags and, and vibrant colors. And um, they, all, they all look fantastic. So uh, it, it, a lot of pageantry and, and a, a, lot of, a, a lot of great atmosphere already on Tuesday. Yeah, so with that in mind, the fact that you've got four Americans, uh, they're playing, I think three of them are playing in a practice round together today. You've got... Uh, a You've got a bunch of countries, as you said, that have two members playing. Does it feel like there are almost like mini Ryder Cup aspects going on down there? Yeah, it was cute. I was uh, I was chatting up uh, McGinley yesterday, um, just kind of behind 18th Green, and um, the, the two French guys walked by and started talking junk. You know, uh, uh, Alain Le Bleu, which you know is kind of like the the Go France chant, and. Um, you know, McGinley's having a laugh, and um, so there's there is a little more um, national pride and, and a little more national identity at this event, uh, even in a Ryder Cup. Because for the Europeans, they're, they're they're not playing for individual flags. You know, it's just the sort of the nebulous continent of Europe, and and um, so now these guys are wearing their the French flag, they're wearing the, the Irish flag, they're wearing their colors it's on their bags, it's all over their clothes. Um, and so, yeah, there's, it's, uh, it's not as contentious as a Ryder Cup, but it, it, there's, a, there's a great feeling of, of, of pride amongst players, and uh, it's really neat to see them um, really embracing that part of the competition. Yeah, it's cool. I, I know that as much as the Olympics maybe got off on the wrong foot with a number of the best players in the world not wanting to take part or for a number of reasons not being able to take part, there are a there is a core group of some of the best players in the world that are super excited about it. So we will see if any of them actually prevail in the event. Now the golf it does not start until Thursday uh, for the men, and the the women will start a week from then. So we, we're not going to see a, a lot of the golf course actually until the players tee it up. Let's talk about the course though. It's designed by Gil Hans. It juts up against a lagoon, but off in the distance uh, you've got the Atlantic Ocean. What's your perception of the course after seeing it uh, just for the first time yesterday? Well, like all the players, I love it. I mean, it's really um, it's it's really a home run. 
uh, it's true the the Atlantic is nearby, but you have no sense of it. Um, you're kind of cocooned in this um, in the confines of the golf course, and you know honestly, they couldn't have given they couldn't have given Gill a, a, a worse piece of land. I mean, basically dead flat, no trees, no natural features to speak of, and just rectangular in shape. I mean, it's a real credit to his his talents and his artistry that he was able to conjure this golf course. Uh, because you know, for for a flat inland site, I've never seen a golf course that's prettier or more interesting. Wow. Uh, every hole, there's so much going on uh, visually and uh, strategically. Uh, the greens are super cool. Um, some, I'm you know, on the real the real tough par fours, um, they're, they're bigger and more receptive. On the shorter holes, there's there's some you know devilish false fronts, and the greens have a lot of movement and. Um, you know, he's really thinking about the players in the design, but uh, accommodating them while also challenging them. And, uh, the the scrubby kind of uh, sand belt look that he was going for, you know, modeled after Casey Heath and Royal Melbourne, just with, with the exposed patch of the sand and, and the native vegetation, it really looks beautiful. Um, I hope I hope it, I hope it shows up well on TV because on the ground um, the holes are just beautifully defined and really visually interesting uh, you know it's, it's not a u.s open test i mean there's a lot of birdies out there uh, yeah there's gonna be some drivable par fours uh, the par fives are very reachable um but there's also there's trouble there's danger so i, I think you're gonna see a lot of birdies and you're gonna see bogeys and that, that's that's fun you know that's that kind of that kind of golf makes for, for a great show and um at the same time it's gonna it's gonna push these guys to the limit as far as shot making because there's a very steady breeze that blows through this, this piece of land. Uh, you know, ten to twenty miles an hour is not atypical, and on Sunday it was blowing a lot harder than that. You know, across Rio that canceled some of the water events, and you can, you can certainly feel that wind at the golf course. So, uh, you know, couple that with the green complexes are really challenging. If you miss a green, uh, the bunkers are, are gnarly in places. There's a lot of a lot of runoffs, a lot of swales, and you know, uh, a lot of the players have told me that they love the the uh, the mental challenge of the short game here because on any given shot you could you could bump a three wood, you could hit a 64 degree, you could play a lower shot with a nine iron, and it, it's all short grass and there's lots of options, and sort of like Pinehurst or Augusta National in that regard, and so uh, it's. It's not a one-dimensional golfer is not going to win this uh, this golf tournament. I mean, you're going to have to really shape shots in the wind. You're going to have to have a lot of imagination in the short game. Um, greens aren't particularly fast; they're only about 10.5 on the spin. A lot of that is, uh, you know, the new greens, but it's also just a nod to the wind when when it's blowing through here at 20 miles an hour, and it's a pretty exposed piece of land. You just if you don't want you don't want wind delays. You, you can't get the greens too rolling too fast. So. Um, I, putting is going to be important as it always is, but uh, I think I think it's going to be more of a think golfer is going to win this thing. Let me pause one quick second for a note about another podcast here at Sports Illustrated. The Rio Olympics are in full swing, and the whole world is tuned in. I know I have been from basketball to track to water polo and even table tennis. Personally, I'm a big fan of the swimming and, and beach volleyball. Sports Illustrated has you covered online and in podcast form. 
All you have to do is search Sports Illustrated at the games. And when you subscribe, you'll get new episodes every single day to your phone. That's Sports Illustrated's Olympic coverage from the games down in Rio. There are a couple great producers and great podcast hosts down in Rio podcasting from the games each and every night. For all of Sports Illustrated's coverage, go to si.com slash Olympics. And remember to subscribe to the podcast. That's Sports Illustrated at the games. And now back to those games, but more specifically, the golf. Yeah, well, that'll be interesting to see. I just want to I want to know if it will challenge the players like a major course challenges the players because you said there will be birdies out there and you don't want the I mean personally I would I would like to hope and see something maybe in the upper uh, single digits under par, low uh, double digits under par. I mean anything that's like really approaching 20 under is that just that's doesn't seem as much of a challenge to these guys. What do you do? You think it will challenge them like a major, or do you think it'll challenge them in the way that the John Deere challenges players? I think somewhere in between, and of course, it's not unlike a Lynx uh, championship. You know, whether it's the British Open or the Scottish Open or the Irish Open, you know, wind is going to be a big factor. So if it's blowing a solid twenty, uh, you know, sixty-nine is going to be a good score. If uh, today is actually pretty calm guys will definitely go lower than that uh, in the absence of wind. So, um, I, you know, if you look at the Masters, the winning scores now creeping towards 15, 16, 18 under. Um, and I don't think anyone is, is threatening to demote the, the Masters as a major championship. Um, you know, you look at you look at the scores that Stenson shot at Troon, uh, what Jason Day shot at Wilson Strait. Uh, you know, 20 under is the new 10 under. <laughs> uh, there's just, you just you can't contain these players uh, unless you build a golf course that's nine thousand yards. Um, I mean, literally, uh, they're 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 gonna they're gonna shred it um, in the absence of really penal setup with super long rough and narrow fairways and brick hard greens. And yeah, that's fun for U.S. Open, but it's not really the showcase of the sport. I think they're looking for here. They they want some fireworks. You know, uh, it's a reachable par five. And, 18, 72nd hole. Uh, easily, you can see some guys making three there. Uh, I, I think uh, the Olympics, uh, people love world records, right? And if uh, if Usain Bolt wins a 100 meter dash, but uh, he runs in 10.06, everyone's going to kind of be like, oh, that's disappointing. Uh, same, same with the swimmers. Yeah, you know, bigger, faster, stronger. Everything about the Olympics is about, is about pushing boundaries and breaking records. So, Protecting par is not the objective uh, this week at all. Okay, I like that. Now, you one thing you wrote about yesterday, you wrote a preview for golf.com. Uh, one thing you wrote is that you saw male players playing practice rounds alongside female players. For anyone who frequently watches PGA Tour golf, that must have been pretty different for you. Yeah, it was really, it was really fun, the amount of, uh, of banter and uh, folks on the driving range checking each other out, uh, their equipment, uh, training aids. Uh, it's, uh, I, I think the number of female competitors will will start to wane here. Um, a lot of them want to be part of the opening ceremonies. They stuck around to practice, and uh, now their access to the golf course is, is restricted. They can they can use the driving range or putting green, but they can't actually go out and play on on a tournament course once once the male competition begins. So. Uh, like Leticia Beck right, from Israel interviewed yesterday, she's heading to Sao Paulo to stay with friends and practice there and kind of get away from all the hubbub in Rio. And 
I think I think that uh, other players are might might embrace a similar plan. But it's certainly the early part of this week. It's been a fun component and it kind of underscores that this is a different this is a different competition. You know, there's uh, everything about this this week is special in in, in its own way, and, and it's it's been a really nice atmosphere to have to have uh, the women out here alongside the men, and uh, I think the players have enjoyed it. I, it's, it's been fun reporting opportunities for, uh, for, for those rest of the media. And, you know, yesterday, uh, Martin Keimer played with the Victorian Love Lady from Brazil, and Keimer's two-time major champion, uh, Ryder Cup hero. He's won a Players' Championship, and nobody cared about him. You know, they, they all wanted the, the hometown girl for selfies and for autographs and uh, so that was, that was a cute moment. I think I think it was a good reminder for for some of these guys that they're not really the stars of the show in a lot of ways, because uh, all the best female golfers are going to be here and because they've so publicly embraced it. I, I think there's a lot of enthusiasm for the women's competition uh, and certainly for a, anything Brazilian. But, yeah. Uh, so yeah, it, it's been a fun it's been a fun part of the week for sure. Does this, do you think the course is it possible that it plays differently for women than it will for men, or will you not really know that until next week? Yeah, it's interesting. The the one complaint that I'm hearing from from the, the players, or more of an observation than a complaint, is that the course is a bit soft, and there's even some mud balls that were picked up yesterday in, in practice rounds, um, and there has not been a lot of rain here. So they've they've really been watering it a lot, and some of, some of the folks feel like uh, after after Pinehurst, after Chambers Bay, uh, there's there's been a little backlash, and and the, the Olympics people want this course to be green on TV, uh, and lush, and, and kind of verdant like the hillside here. And whereas the way the way Gil Hans designed it, and and the course is model after, you know, they're they're brown, they're they're hard, fast, and firm, and fiery. And um, so I think there's a little tension there between what the designers would like, and even the players, and, and what the, the powers that be, and how they've chosen to set it up. But it's also the reality that they can't push the golf course to the edge this week because uh, the women are playing next week. They, they don't want to burnt out and, um, you know, brick hard. Uh, I think in a perfect world, the women would go first and then they could, they could let the course uh, evolve into a, a tougher, a, a firmer test for the men. But uh, I, part of the thinking was they wanted, they wanted the male golfers to walk in the opening ceremony uh-huh. and it felt like if, if if they didn't, if they didn't see them off first, none of the guys would show up. So, it's you know, there's always political considerations um, and and factors that, that you don't think about until until someone explains it to you. But uh, hopefully, they'll they'll let the course go a little bit from here, and and so there'll be a little more um, a little more run, a little more rollout, and the the greens will present a little more of a test. But that, that remains to be seen. Yeah. So now you, you walked the course for the first time yesterday. Is there a uh, is there a particular stretch of holes out there that you think are going to be uh, the holes to watch for anyone that's going to be viewing this weekend? Yeah, it's funny. I was really trying to think about that. Is, is there a signature hole? Is there a, is there an eight-man corner? Uh, I'm not going to say you know a bear trap, but um, and. No one hole stands out, which is a credit to how good the whole design is. I mean, you stand on every tee box, like, wow, this is cool. And uh, this might be my favorite hole. Then you go to the next one, you're like, wow, I really like this hole. Look at all look at all the ways you can play this hole. Then you go to the next one, and it just kind of repeats. So I think, um, you know, certainly uh, 16, 17, 18, 
are going to reward aggressive play. Uh, you got a short par four and a, a par three that's vulnerable, and then the par five. So I think uh, I think there'll be some fireworks at the end of the round. Ten is a really cool hole. It's not quite a cape hole. It's basically straight ahead, but there's a giant lake that you have to drive it around. And if you're Bubba Watson or a few other guys, you can try and fly it over, and you can almost get up to the green and really make an easy birdie opportunity. But depending on the wind, it's a tough carry. So that's kind of a fun um, do-or-die hole. I'm sure some guys will take it on. But there's really there's a risk-reward built into almost every single one of the holes out here. So uh, I think I think viewers are going to be really captivated by, by the test from start to finish. Let me pause for one more quick second about another podcast here at Sports Illustrated. It's the MMQB podcast. Sadly, a bad paint job kept the NFL's annual Hall of Fame game from kicking off, kept my Packers from bruising up on the second and third stringers of the Indianapolis Colts. But thankfully, the MMQB van, which is touring across training camps all over the nation, does not have that problem. It chugs on. Peter King and his crew of great football writers are crossing the country, visiting a bunch of training camps, giving you the best insight there is to have in the NFL world, especially during preseason. You can hear the MMQB podcast or our other football podcast, which is named Audibles, by searching for them on your podcast app of choice to hear the entire network. Visit si.com slash podcasts. And now back to Alan Shipnuck. Now, you, you said you love the course. Players love the course. Uh, to drop in just a hint of, of pessimism, uh, is that because you've never seen it before? Is there any recency bias to falling in love at first sight and, and not really seeing players play that much of it yet? Well, there's recency bias when you're on Copacabana Beach and the next girl who walks <laughs> by is the prettiest one you've seen. But, um, you know, these guys, that's what they do for a living. They show up at a golf course and they figure out how to play it. Uh, certainly on the various tours, uh, you, you go to a, a lot of the same venues, but every year there's new tracks. And obviously, the major championships for a lot of these guys have seen them for the first time in their careers. So uh, I think it's a pretty, pretty learned opinion. I mean, I talked to a dozen players yesterday. And no one said anything other than, I love this golf course. And um, so uh, there's, without a doubt, there's, there's a little uh, Olympic fever running around here. I might be guilty of that. And certainly some of the, the players, um, everyone's just so happy to be here. You know, uh, it's, you came in here expecting the worst from everything that you'd read about Rio and the crime and the pollution and, you know, the biblical swarm of mosquitoes that be waiting for you at the airport and, uh, all of that. And all, I think all of us kind of came in a little, defensive and you get here and it's wonderful the, the people are so nice uh the transportation issues have been have been mostly smooth uh the players being the, in the, the athletes village they're loving that experience getting to meet the world's greatest athletes in different sports and getting to pick their brains about training and and just you know let's face it a lot of golfers have inferiority complexes they're kind of they're kind of nerds in high school they weren't real jocks uh, and all of a sudden they're being treated as one of the best athletes in the world. You're an Olympian. I definition you're one of the best athletes in the world, and they're loving that. And um, Because it's a leisurely schedule, and they can practice when they feel like it, unlike some other sports where it's more prescribed here, um, a lot of guys are, and gals are 
attending events, you know, going to swimming or going to gymnastics, um, the men's basketball. I heard, I heard some the French guys were talking about table tennis, how fun that was. Uh, you know, there's, there's, I think everyone who's here is really embraced in the spirit and they're really trying to maximize the opportunity. So, um, certainly they're, they're predisposed to, to like the golf course and to be enthusiastic about the event. But I mean, let's face it, deep down, they're still tour pros and they love the wine and they love to complain. <laughs> uh, and if, if, if they didn't like the golf course, they would tell, they would tell us yeah. uh, for sure. But, right. uh, no, it's, it's really, it's really, it's really been a home run and, it's funny because one thing, one thing uh, Gil Hans told me a long time ago was that the, the excruciatingly slow process of building the course and in the end helped make it a better golf course because I just kept visiting holes, revisiting strategies, tinkering, tweaking, improving, and it was, it was so long in gestation that uh, it's akin to a, a magazine writer. If you have two days to work on a story, uh, you make it as good as you can. If you have two years keep interviewing people and keep revising, it's just going to be a better story. And so, um, you know, I think, I think the care and the, the passion that, that Gil brought to this project is, is being reflected in the enthusiasm um, that it's been greeted by the players. Cool. Well, now you got me excited for the competition and watching it on TV from New York City. Uh, are people out there watching the practice rounds yesterday or – are people out there today uh, walking the course, fans and spectators? No, it's it's very limited access um, to the public, and they're. I mean, honestly, they're still working out the kinks as far as some of the infrastructure here uh, for getting people around and selling food, getting the bathrooms in place. I mean, there's there's a lot of trucks, so there's an element of uh, of a construction project not on a golf course, but everything surrounding it. And that's to be expected. Not go to on Tuesday at the U.S. Open. They're still working out some of the kinks. So um, they have really restricted access. There's a lot of the, you know, there's t- tens of thousands of volunteers who are working here at the Olympics. And when they're off duty, they can kind of come and go with more freedom than the average fan. So a lot of those folks have been out here and uh, checking it out. And clearly some of them have never been to golf course before they've never seen one swing a golf club and so it's fun to watch their expression and when you stand on the next to the tee and you know, Heinrich Stenson comes through and rips a driver I mean it's a pretty awesome sight we're used to it but uh, it's the speed and power uh, and the grace that these guys have uh, I, I think a lot of the I think a lot of folks should have been blown away you know they, they just they have a certain misconception of what golf is like and when you see a play at this level it's pretty awesome and um just the open space out here. I've heard some comments from, from some of the visitors to the course that, you know, there's no, Rio is not like New York City where they, they've got Prospect Park and Central Park and there's so much green space set aside. I mean, it's a pretty urban environment. Take Obviously, there's the beach, but it's, if you're looking for just open green space, it's hard to find. And so come out here and just see this vast expanse of uh, beautiful flowing dunes and native vegetation that, I think I think all the all the locals who, who have sneaked a peek have really been impressed and, and intrigued, and uh, so I mean that's obviously that's why everyone wanted golf in the Olympics, right? To yeah. uh, introduce it to people who really weren't familiar with it, and um, in limited doses, it's already been a success here. And obviously, once the competition gets going, I think it'll it'll have a more profound impact. 
Well, you have sold me on it. Uh, is anything surprised you down there? What has surprised you most? Well, the press room food is deplorable. Uh, there's a good chance I'll starve to death by the end of the women's competition, but um, <laughs> that's a first. That, that's a first world problem. Yeah. Um, I mean, this, the surprise is, has, has just been in in how relaxed everything is. Um, not only from the the standpoint of the Olympics, but from just navigating the city. I mean, I'm staying in Copacabana, and you know, you walk around at two o'clock in the morning. There's there's no hint of menace. There's there's no one lurking in the alleyways. People having a good time. Uh, it, you know, locals walking their dogs and smiling at you. And um, I mean, there hasn't been one moment where I felt um, out of place or unwelcome or, or unsafe. So it, it's uh, it's really been. I'm not all that surprised. I'm not traveled enough to know that people tend to exaggerate the the dangers of places, but. Even a guy like you know Bubba Watson, um, I saw him last night at this restaurant. He's wearing his his team tracksuit, giant USA on the back, and this is this is a very public place. I mean, it's basically an upscale mall with lots of restaurants and shops and tons of people, and you know uh, the the much discussed security concerns of of uh, uh, Jordan Spieth and and Roy McIlroy, and um, I mean Bubba's literally advertising that he's a he's on a USA. Team and he's, a, he's uh, not exactly incognito. So uh, you know, I'll, I've been I've been calling BS on this stuff for months, and I mean I haven't I haven't seen or heard of one mosquito bite since I've been down here. The, um, if you mention Zika to the locals, they think you're crazy, I and mean, they say it doesn't exist in Rio. Maybe if you go way out into the jungle in Bahia, you know, thousand kilometers away, but. Um, I mean, I haven't even opened my bug spray. I doubt I will the whole the whole fortnight here. Um, you know, I was I went down to beach volleyball to uh, Copacabana Beach, and you know, maybe if you if you do a scientific study of the water, it's not it's not as pure as some other places, but it sure looks pretty, and the sand is clean, and it's sparkling in the sun. I mean, everything you heard and read about about Rio, it doesn't really pass the eye test. I mean, it's um, it's just been it's been kind of a, rev- a lot of revelations, large and small, being here. And, uh, you know, the players are feeling that as well. I think there's a sense you're going to have to come down here and stay in this secure bubble. And they find out real quickly, you know what? It's actually great. I can walk around anywhere and not be hassled. You know, Bubba Watson is in Augusta, Georgia, and he wants to go to the Waffle House. and He's going to have to sign 100 autographs. He can go to the best Sarasquia here in in, the, in Rio, and only knows who he is, and they don't care. Even if he's wearing his USA tracksuit, so um, I, I think they're enjoying the freedom. I think they're, they're enjoying the city, and um, you know, anecdotally, Ricky Fowler's really enjoying the Olympic Village and his fellow Olympians. So um, you know, what's not to love? When it comes to the the scenarios that could play out at the at the men's competition, the women's competition, I know people have talked about what would be best. Is it best to have one of the best players win? Uh, a la Henrik Stenson, or would it be better to have uh, an upset, um, maybe Anur Banlahiri uh, from Asia and a guy who would represent a country where golf isn't quite as popular yet? Guys like that, would it be, in your eyes, would it be better to have one of the best players win, uh, or would it be better to have an upset? What's the best case scenario? Oh, I think a Cinderella story would be uh, would be ideal from a, a large non-golf playing nation 
you know, if you really if you really want to um, to spread the gospel of, of golf, I, I think that's your, your best scenario. You mentioned Lahiri. I talked to him yesterday, and um, you know, for he was said he was so moved to see at opening ceremonies, you know, the Bangladesh flag being carried by a golfer, and he said, "You have no idea how much that's going to raise awareness of our sport um, in Thailand, in Bangladesh, in uh, Myanmar, in in India." Um, just a, a simple moment like that, and so. Uh, yeah, I think I think that'd be a big deal. If it's Denton, that'd be great. You know, he's he's obviously uh, already turned in one iconic performance this summer. I think Ricky Fowler would be fun because he's just been kind of the star on social media, and he would uh, he'd go home and do the Today Show and all that sort of thing, and really promote the heck out of it. And it'd be a, a really big moment in his career. Um, I think the worst case scenario is is a good established but boring player, you know, a, um, I don't want to name names, but Matt Kuchar or someone <laughs> like that. <laughs> um, it, uh, it just wouldn't, re- it wouldn't really resonate on, on either level as either a superstar or as an upset. Um, it'd be a great moment for him. And I mean, I like Kuchar and I, I, he would, he would have fun and he would, he would embrace the whole thing. And maybe he's not even the best example. Um, uh, but, uh, I think you know what I mean. Either, yeah. either give me the best of the best, or give me the longest of the long shot. But I think I think the middle ground is, is is what you want to avoid. Well, we can leave it at that then. Thanks for tuning in to the Golf.com Olympics podcast. Much thanks to Alan for calling in from halfway across the world. Thanks to you as well for tapping on your smartphones and listening in. Keep tapping, if you will, uh, this time on the subscribe button. So interviews like this will download straight to your smartphone. Until next time, I'm your host, Sean Zock.